We're in Romans chapter 1 down to verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Before we go on, we need to remember Paul is speaking to Jews, to Jewish converts, and to professing Christians. He goes back and forth to unexcuse the sometimes the Jewish believers or the Judaizers. He wants them to know the whole truth. They'll read this in their local churches, and so you'll have a variety of people. But he's going to state the theology how God deals with the Jew now, not according to the law, not according to the uh, rituals, because they have, they're going to cease, or they did cease. He's dealing with the new order, and he's explaining how God deals with each one, what their privileges are, and what some of them didn't have as much. So he wants them to understand all of these, because there's disputes in the Roman church And like the Corinthian church, they had some problems that had to be straightened out. But remember the word of God. When he wrote, like the prophets of old, the word of God and prophecy itself. Prophecy is God speaking a particular word or God anointing a word. So true exhortation and most preaching, true preaching and teaching should be inspired at times. So it's prophecy. It's the Lord speaking, inspiring people. The same as when people speak in tongues and prayer, the Spirit does his part and the person does his and what he's talking about. But the Word of God in general is prophecy. And when John was called in Revelation and spoken to a few times, he was given a scroll, which we would call a book today, but they use scrolls. And the angel told him, to eat it. It was a little scroll, and he ate it. See, it was the word of the Lord, and he said it was bitter to his stomach. Why? Because the message was of judgment, and God's wrath was not a pleasant message. But he said it was sweet as honey to his mouth, because the word of God, no matter how it comes, if the Lord said it, it's sweet, it's life. And so that's what he's talking about. So now he's going to straighten people out on their theology, and he's going to show them, no matter what they believe, if they don't live a certain way, they're going to be under the judgment of God, as most professing Christians are. Many professing Christians, oh, we're under grace and faith, so they don't bother studying these things, because they say, well, it don't apply to me. That's what they will find out when it's too late, when they're consigned to the lake of fire. So people the time we live in, under great deceptions and lying Christianity. So we said the wrath of God is shown. It's the present tense. People say, well, God of the Old Testament, but now Jesus has come and he doesn't condemn and judge nobody. Well, that's a false assertion. He does not judge, condemn, that they're already condemned. And he's coming to show them a way out. That's what extra grace and truth does. But he speaks for God. He thinks the same way God is. He is God. So he does not excuse certain things as false shepherds try to pamper people and lie to people and make them feel good. He's not going to do this. So he says the wrath of God is shown. 
That means in the present. When a person's in gross sin, this is what happens. God's wrath and anger. His wrath is anger. The wrath is the anger, and then it's displayed by some action. So that's what we think of when we think of the wrath of God. He's punishing. He's doing something in response to those who fight against his holiness and his truth. So it's in the present tense. It's against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness. So that means sin, transgression, iniquity, and we'll see several times, even Jesus says, uh, lawlessness. Most of the professing Christians through the ages uh, will say, Lord, Lord, as we said, and he will say, you are the lawless. You did not do the will of my Father. So we have a lot of people in that state that believe Jesus is God, believe that he's the Son of God, and he died on a cross, and they've never been born again. They've never obeyed the Lord. They've done as they pleased. They've served God the way they want to, which is unacceptable to God. So he says it's displayed against them. We'll see the processes this happens later. So men suppress the known truth at one time, in the beginning after they said and they got worse, and God got tired of it, and he wiped the whole human race out. He says, you're evil from your youth up. So we see the process of wickedness, but he's going to show how and why it goes on. And we'll see that he punishes some people, some repent, but God does have response to these things eventually. We'll see uh, where his patience and long-suffering runs to an end, and people are not saved by grace alone and faith alone. They have to have works, spiritual works. They must obey. They must be fruitful, or he doesn't accept their lip service under the old or the new. So you suppress. They suppress the truth when they knew it. They avoided it. They blocked it out. See, that's the old man in progress. He has a little help from the demonic realm, but he's evil on himself, and God has placed man in a responsibility that he can obey God to certain issues. He cannot be perfect, but even after the fall, God expected people not to live in gross sin, and they were capable through their minds not to. So this nonsense that everybody has to sin all the time and they have a license to sin, these are teachings from the devil, okay? So they suppress the truth. They blocked it out. They refused to obey it. Well, that means they heard it. Keeping the truth just as men of the Old Testament, they could obey or not. He winked at many of their imperfections. He expected them to all the commandments they could keep. And they didn't even have the Spirit of Christ in them. So they could keep certain laws, and God expected them to. And he judged them when they didn't do it. He had certain responsibilities to them. But he winked at certain things, because he knew one day Christ would redeem man and purify all sin. See, God does not accept any sin at the day of judgment. It has to be atoned for. But he expects a living man to obey his conscience and to live right in society. Uh, so, And he can do it. And if he doesn't do it, he'll answer to God 
So people say, oh, man is totally depraved. No, he's not. Only a demon's are totally depraved. If men were totally depraved, God wouldn't talk to them. He wouldn't bother instructing them. He'd know it's wasted. He doesn't waste his time on impossibilities. So he gives them a certain amount of light and truth, and he expects them to walk in it. Okay, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation, the judgment, the damnation, basically, ultimately, that the truth, the light has come into the world, the world of mankind, and men love sin and darkness rather than the truth or light, because their works are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the truth and does not come to the truth, lest his works be exposed. And this is Jesus speaking. He's telling us the state of general mankind. And as a whole, that's how they are. But he doesn't say that they can't obey and they can't serve God or their conscience at the level they're at. He never says that. He expects that. Now look at verse 36, if you will, if you're there. He who believes in the Son, that's submitted to the Son, not mental assent belief. That's following the Lord and obeying him. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe, who is not committed to him to follow him, the Son, he shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Again, it's the present tense. God is still remembering his evil and sin, and he can do these things. He still holds their sin against them and is displeased with their sinning. And he'll deal with it at certain levels. But the goodwill of God is, for God so loved the world. So he's talking about the wicked, everybody in the world. That's the love is benevolence. It's not covenant love. So he can love them with that kind of love and still be angry with them and still judge them for their sins. In general, this does not apply to the practicing Christian who is following the Lord. He's under a different kind of love. The Holy Spirit pours out his love in his heart, and he has communion and relationship with him. He does not have this with the sinner. So there are types of loves, and God can so love the world and send most of them to hell for their disobedience. See, that's what people mistake. They, oh, God loves me, so since he's like my earthly parent, he's like Santa Claus, I can get away with my sins. Uh, you will be very enlightened by the flames of hell. That is what's going to happen. Okay, so he keeps accounts. He has to. Why? Because God is just and holy. He doesn't overlook anything. He rewards the righteous and remembers all the good deeds they do, those who are following the Lord. He says, a cup of cold water, the least thing you could do, he's not going to forget it. He said, it's not unjust to forget it in Hebrews that you've ministered to the saints. And those who are not in grace and faith and not in the kingdom of God, every idle word they speak, they're going to get account for. That's exactness because God is just. He is holy. And he sees all and understands motive and intents. So people of the world who God's love is for them to repent and goodwill to turn back to the Lord, he lets them store up wrath. And that's what they do. He doesn't forget it. 
people have a tendency after a few days a month to forget a lot of things. That's going to be the horror of the day of judgment for them because everything's coming back. It's almost like a recording that everything they did, whether God gives it to them in a split second or it may seem like a long time to them, but every idle thing will come back and they will see their sins and they cannot run from it and they cannot be deceived. They know it's the truth and they cannot deny it. As we've said before, no one's in hell that doesn't know they deserve the hell that they're in, okay? And so we see God keeps account. He stores up wrath for the wicked. He stores up rewards for the Christian that serves him and bears fruit and has works of ministry and so forth. So every act of long-suffering that God gives, the wicked will give an account for one day if he doesn't turn. If he doesn't respond to God's grace, and God's grace is given to everybody. The gospel has not reached everybody, but he will judge them according to conscience and the light that they've had. And so they will still come under the law of Christ. All of these are under him. They'll answer to Christ. All judgment, even the white throne, is with Jesus. He is called the God Almighty. He's called the Everlasting Father. And he himself says all judgment is committed to the Son. Every one of them is going to actually come through him. Okay, He acts for the Father as the Word of God. So these are the long-suffering. He counts and he waits. And yet justice and holiness does not forget sin and doesn't want to, or evil. So love doesn't cancel out these other attributes of God. We can say he's like a diamond. There's many facets, but you can't take a facet away and it still be a diamond. It's impossible. So he's just showing different facets of him. So for God so loved the world, but at the same time, the wrath of God abides on them. See, if they don't turn to the Lord, his wrath is still on them, and he's remembering the sins they've committed. And at one time, he's going to have to deal with it. So he can extend grace, more grace extended to a person, and the longer, the greater will be their judgment. God's fair and just in all of his dealings. So wrath is God's anger, his righteous anger against evil. Wrath is the anger at times fully displayed by God in vengeance and punishment. So some punishments and vengeance is not to correct a person, but to avenge God's holiness. A lot of judgments are to warn people, and he still gives them opportunity. But ultimately, if it's not heeded, it is vengeance. It's justice measured out from a holy God. So verse 19 Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. He's speaking now, we'll see, about people are created to some degree in God's image, and they have a spirit, and they have a conscience at one time, and certain attributes is like an a law. They're not going to be excused. They're going to answer to him if that's the law they have. If that's the light truth they've been given. So the people of the earth could and should understand by nature and the natural 
event, and even the soulish events, the conscience and human spirit, that there is a creator and a supreme being. So if people say they're atheists or agnostic, they weren't born that way. They sinned against their conscience. They hardened themselves against the truth, and then they may have become that. They may be true atheists don't believe in God. They will when they're cast into the lake of fire, see? They won't be deceived then. They can't shut the truth out. And God is dead to them. He's everywhere. And like Paul said, we live and move and have our being. Well, that applies to the sinner, but they're not in relationship with him, though he's closer to them than they think. Spiritually, they're as far as away as they can be. They're dead to him. He's dead to them, basically. And so we need to understand this. One day, the light will come. And the devil will not be able to deceive anybody no more. And the old man won't be able to lie to him. The truth will be there. And he will acknowledge it when he has to. See, even the demons acknowledge certain truthful facts against their will. And they don't want to believe it, but they have to. See, they can't hide. All things are open and naked to the Lord, it says. So they should come to the conclusion until they sin against it, that there is a supreme being just by nature itself and by their conscience, okay, that he's put in a law in them. So the idols that are worshipped with evil and lust and wretchedness, that's what many of the idol worship and foreign gods were in the Roman Empire. Many of them were popular because they uh, had prostitutes and homosexuals and they give uh, people all kinds of sexual things to do and glory in their sins. That's why they were popular. And that's why they become more hardened and judged by God and further away from the truth. We'll see the consequences. So they are not ignorant of all, but degraded from generation to generation. And that's the other thing. When people have children, the influence of the parents goes to the children. For instance, if children are raised around a mother who is a gossip and talks about people all the time, a lot of times it's easier for them to take that up. The sins of the fathers are visited to the children. That's part of the curse. That's why children get sick and die. It's the curse that follows, even though they do not willfully sin until they get older and stuff. That's the consequences of sin. That's why many a parent the main reason for going to hell, besides despising God, is not teaching their children properly. God's going to hold them accountable as he's going to hold the false teacher accountable for what he speaks. So they are not ignorant. They degrade from generation to generation. It took 1,600 years or so, we believe, before God at Noah's time flooded the whole earth. And he said they were evil from their youth up. Sodom and Gomorrah had gotten to be so bad that God decided to wipe them out. So he's done this when there's generations of wickedness. So it shows you the old man gets worse and worse because he yields to demonic activity and they get more power over the person. Sin becomes easier. Their conscience and inner law that God puts in everybody, they cover up. They ignore it. They harden themselves. They don't want to hear it. So as Jesus said, men love darkness, sin better than light. 
they won't come. But it means they have awareness that they should come to it, but they don't want to. See, they love the pleasures of sin, and they are capable at some times until they go too far, they're capable of seeing the truth. And just by not hearing the gospel and hearing the truth or reading the Bible like today, that holds them responsible whether they ever hear the gospel or not. See, because they've already revealed to God they don't want it, and they'll reject it. And he judges according to motive and intent. So people who avoid the gospel is just as guilty as those who reject the gospel. There's no difference as far as God is concerned. He's looking for the motive, the intent, and the truth of the matter. So we see that's what happens as people keep sinning. It gets worse and worse. And as they keep hardening themselves, they can get worse and worse. All mankind has levels of grace even before the law of Moses. There were righteous Gentiles. And the people that weren't even Jews from Adam on through Enoch, they were aware of the Almighty God. They understood these things. God communicated with them. And then later, after Abraham and so forth, he brought forth the covenant of the law as a sidetrack. He intended that all will eventually have to come through faith. And Abraham, the father of faith, was the great-great-grandparent of Moses. He was superior to them. But God wanted to teach man a process. Until the sun comes, a man could not do certain things because he didn't have the spirit of Christ helping him. But he could observe the moral precepts and the outward laws, and God expected him to do it. If not, he was held accountable. Okay? So, evident within themselves, their conscience that was for judging evil and commending good, they began to fight against it. They began to get hardened to sin. They began to excuse themselves, to ease their conscience. See, these are the processes of sin. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen. That nullifies all of the excuses people come up with. Being understood through his having made them and made what's available here, it's as though they are without excuse. So nobody's going to be able to say, well, I didn't hear the gospel or I wasn't taught right. God's going to say, you didn't obey the lesser light. So you're inexcusable. You didn't even deserve the gospel because you didn't even obey the lower life when you had it. Remember the man in hell that was being tormented and wanted a drop of water? He asked Abraham over in paradise, send the poor man that died and was righteous. He said, bring him over that I can have a drop of cool water to cool, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, well, I can't do it because there's a gulf fixed between us. We can't come over there and you can't come over here. And by the way, they have the law, Moses, and they have the prophets. And the man in hell said, oh, no, go warn my brothers. If someone come from the dead and raised, and he meant Christ to a degree, he said they would believe. And Abraham said, oh, no, they were. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe, though he be raised from the dead. So God has already stated the law. 
That's why people don't get the gospel. That's why people are hardened and the gospel's veiled from them. They don't even try to obey the moral precepts and be good. And let me tell you a little story that the people of grace and faith, the false exaggerators, they try to have you believe everybody's a wicked moral sinner. In the Old and New Testament, you never find one instance. I'm not saying it don't happen, but you don't find an instance of a prophet or an apostle being called by God who was a practicing gross sinner. You don't find it. See, They lived in the light. And even Paul, he murdered people by ignorance. He said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. He wasn't a normal murderer. You go and look at all the prophets. None of them was living in adultery or fornication when they were called. See, they were obeying the lesser laws and God gave them the higher law of grace. See, that's another fallacy of the totally depraved people. They say that so they can keep sinning and think that God's grace will cover them. They will be tormented in the lake of fire forever. That will be the punishment for them for despising God's word and perverting God's word and teaching other people the same thing. So he says it's clearly seen by normal humans. If you're not retarded, brain dead, you can comprehend these things. They sear the conscience and they give themselves over to the pleasures of sin. That's what they do. They know certain things are wrong, but they want to do them anyway. And the more they do them, the more hardened they become. That's the process of sin. Proverbs says it's like a cord. You, you take a, a thin piece of cord and wrap it around a person, they can break loose easily. That's in the beginning. But after they wrap it around about 50, 60 times, they can't break it. And that's how sin is. And every sin leads that way. It goes from depth to depth until it binds the person. Okay? So everyone that is not hardened knows there is a supreme being, and all we see and imagine is made from the invisible being, his power and divine nature. So he says it's clearly seen and known to be his work. So a man is not born an atheist. <laughs> they become an atheist. And the agnostic are agnostic because they don't come to the truth, they don't want the truth, or they set terms I won't believe unless God does this. Well, God doesn't play that game. Then you'll stay in your deception, and at Judgment Day, you'll be cast into the lake of fire. See, people don't demand from God. You follow his rules and his law, or you don't get it. Very simple. See, there is no voting power here, okay? So the wicked are without excuse. Mankind is without excuse. He's willingly deceived. Now, he gets to a place where the sin deceives him more, and then he can be bound to it and not see and be hardened, and eventually he can go too far, okay? But he doesn't start off that way, okay? I've heard people say, well, I see it on television as if alcoholism is a disease. They want to excuse the sin. Well, of course it's a disease. So is AIDS and many other, but they came from the person practicing sin. Then it began to affect their mind and their body, and that's the disease. But they're still held accountable. They're not excused. That's just the results of their sin. Scripture says all drunkards 
will not make it in the kingdom of heaven. He considers it a sin. So I would say, if you got that addiction, you better stop it and you better get help because if you don't, you'll never make it in the kingdom of God, okay? But that's psychiatry and the world, and these are usually run by wicked, deceived people. Among the professionals, the highest suicide rate is among psychiatrists. They don't seem to know too much, do they? So, as Jesus said, as a whole, man loves darkness and sin and will not come to the truth. It didn't say he cannot come to the truth. It says he will not come to the truth. He doesn't want it, okay? They're born with a flawed nature, and they add to it by willingly setting against God. God doesn't hold it too much against the person because he's born. He doesn't have certain things. It's when they start acting on their fallen nature and start sinning willfully and go further and further. That's what he deals with more so, okay? And so he understands man. He said it's dust. He understands certain things. And he makes allowances. And at time, he winks at certain things, he said, until the truth comes. So he'll deal with it in his justice. So we see man is flawed. Man has the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he can respond properly. But as he sins more willingly and fights against the truth and enjoys the pleasures of sin, it sears his conscience and hardens his soul. And then there comes a place there's no return. Sometimes even God doesn't mess with them anymore. See, that's the danger, okay, what the hardening does to a person. We'll see the process later. We'll go into it. They can resist and overcome most gross sins. I say most. No human that's not even a Christian has to murder anybody. They don't have to commit adultery with a man's wife. They don't have to lie, cheat, and steal. They know that. Nothing forces them to do it. They start doing it. They want the results of the pleasure. That's how the process starts. They don't have to do it. Even wicked people can be morally upright, but they can be full of pride, and that'll send them to hell. So, yeah, I remember hearing a story once. The poor young girl, she got converted and came to church. And, well, she hadn't been taught too well because she just came to Lord, and she still had her lipstick on and some of her makeup. And some old ladies just shamed her and told her how terrible it was, everything. And the minister went to the old ladies and said, well, you're worse you shouldn't come back to church till your heart gets right because you're a slander and a gossip, and I'm sure that'll send you to hell quicker than a little lipstick will. Well, the girl was wrong if she was dressing to extremes and to make men appeal to her sexually. But she was new in it. She could have been taken aside and straightened out on this. But these older women, they've been in a church all their life. They should have known better. They were a slanderous and gossip, and they probably wouldn't get into the kingdom. So their Christianity didn't help them much because they wouldn't obey in it. They were judging when they were in a worse state. There is a place to judge those in the body of Christ. But you better make sure that you're spiritually mature to do it. or You will fall under God's condemnation. So people of the world in general, until they become demon-possessed or hardened, they can resist and overcome sin, the gross sin. See, the Ten Commandments... They could do. 
God wouldn't have told them to do it if he didn't expect them to do it. Now, they couldn't change their inner thoughts and certain things inwardly. And so God didn't judge it. He left it alone. But when it was outward displayed, he commanded it to be judged. With a Christian, God does with his inward motives and intents and his inward sins more than he did under the old covenant. Because they have Christ and there's no excuse for them not to overcome these sins. That's the difference. They have God's help. Okay, because of the fall of man, God knows that man is not completely sinless, and he has certain faults and imperfections, and he made provision through sacrifices and so forth until the day of Christ. He made temporal sacrifices and rituals, and they could do them, and he expected them to do them. And if they didn't do them, then he judged them. But all of it was going to be taken care of through the life and death of Jesus Christ when he came to take care of these things. Now, also, no one starts off, as I said, a true atheist. Just want to remind you, they get to that place because they believe everything comes from something small. That's the big teaching today, the Big Bang. Everything in the universe All of these uh, billions and trillions of stars and billions of miles away, everything came from something smaller than a dot. They'd rather believe that than believe there's a God. And given the benefit of the doubt, it might be true. We'll see, uh, but it still came from God. The natural universe came into being from the Word of God. So however it came into being, that's his problem and not yours. And you'll never find out, you'll speculate, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Man cannot learn everything. And God is not going to allow him to in the natural. He's going to end it one day. See? Don't make him spiritual. None of this knowledge adds to the. And you would think people who see all of these things would believe more there is a God than there isn't a God. So they're feeding a spirit. They're willingly believing a lie, and so it hardens them, and they become atheists. But they will be enlightened by the flames of the lake of fire. But then it won't do them a bit of good, and they still won't know the mysteries of the universe. They will be in so much torment and pain, they won't think about nothing else. Okay, So we see they don't start off that way. It's a process. We got to see, and if you believe the world came from a little speck, the Big Bang, or these gases in the universe, well, common sense says even a child can ask that. Well, where did the little speck come from? Where did the gases come from? See, they never bother to talk about those things, do they? So the demon hardens their conscience, and they believe a lie rather than the Creator, it says, who is blessed forever. Hebrews. Chapter 1, verse 2, God has spoken to us in the last days. His final revelation is through the Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom, who, the Son, he also made the worlds. So everything you see, earth, heavens, the universe, was made by the Son. See, he's the Word of God. He made it through him, the Father. That's the unity of the Godhead. And then he says in Hebrews eleven three, by faith, 
by understanding with trusting God and not knowing all the facts, but it's evidence. See, faith is evidence. It's spiritual. Not believing something just on a hunch. It's based on the truth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. The Word of God is truthful. It doesn't tell people to believe something just to believe it. Okay? By faith, we understand that the worlds, the universe, were framed or made by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So we simply say in everything that you see was made from what you consider invisible. The spiritual realm, the invisible God, created all of these. He started another creation. He'd already got the heavens and angels and the spiritual, but he decided to make another type of universe. So he says it's evident to him. So, but it's not to the wicked. He hardens them. So we will take a break here. Let's take a break. <laughs> 